Each day of our lives, we make deposits in the memory banks of our children. Charles Swindoll. You're listening to the Think Twice TV podcast. Hear true life stories, portable insight, and engaging messages. On this show, we'll think twice about life, faith, and just what could be possible when the two are combined. Broadcasting from the beautiful Great Lakes state of Pure Michigan, here's your host, Dan Henderson. Hey, welcome to the show. Today's a very special episode. We are presenting my father's testimony, the Reverend Rudy Henderson. He passed away in May of 2016 after a four-year battle with cancer. He founded our organization, Media Messengers Evangelistic Association, and Think Twice TV. He wanted Think Twice TV to be an avenue for people like him when he was starting out in his faith that were looking for answers and seeking for truth. I could tell you a lot of stories about him and a lot of different things that I remember. This scripture pretty much sums it up. It comes from Proverbs 20 verse 7. The just man walks in his integrity and his children are blessed after him. I hope you enjoy this true story from my father, the Reverend Rudy Henderson. I grew up in the southern part of Texas, uh, what they call the Rio Grande Valley, in a little town called Harlingen. When I was six years old, my mother, she discovered cancer and the doctors tried to do what they could. This was back in the 50s. Within a year or so, she passed away. My father would work every day, go to work, but he had a terrible problem with alcohol. It was really rough for our family. Uh, we never had very much, but um, my mother always tried to provide for us and she would do all kinds of different jobs on the side to make sure that all our children had food and clothes and shoes. So that's the kind of life that I, I grew up in. Uh, but I found that I always had love and my family was very religious. Uh, and as I went along, once my mother passed away and my dad really couldn't take care of us. So I got farmed out to my grandparents. After that, I went to live with an uncle and aunt for a number of years. I remember uh, as a young man going to the church and being a part of that church, and uh, I was what they call an altar boy in, in the church, and I learned the Latin. I went to Catholic elementary school, and then uh, years later, my father uh, moved up to the cold country, Michigan, <laughs> and I never had seen any snow. I chose to come to Michigan. I'm thankful I did because um, this is where, you know, God began to speak to my life. I was always seeking God. Even as a young child, I look up into the stars and, and I knew that, you know, there, there had to be somebody who created all this fantastic constellations and the moon and everything. It was just, I just knew there had to be some kind of creator couldn't just happen by accident. When I was a young man, I remember having many problems. And because of the death of my mother, and because of the, of the lifestyle, my father's situation, he never did, he didn't change his alcoholic behavior. And I missed my dad, I didn't have a mom. And many things happened in my life. I, I went into a shell in many ways, and I was very fearful, I was very, I was suspicious and untrusting. Uh, so uh, I, I had so much fear and anxiety. I mean, I couldn't even walk into uh, a, a large group of uh, people, or a large group of people, a supermarket or, or a clothing store. I was trying to find ways that I could overcome that in myself. 
and I found that the religion I was in at the time didn't allow, didn't, didn't really meet those needs. I started to realize that why do I need this religion, or why do I need any religion for that matter? It hasn't helped me. And so I started looking at other ways that I could improve on my life, that I could overcome all these obstacles of fear and torment, all these old thoughts that I had that really plagued me, you know. And so I started to delve into the occult because I had, I started reading. I used to love to read. I'd go to the library and I'd read every book there was on the occult and mind power and spirit power and everything. And so I started learning this and I thought, wow, this is the way to go. And so I, I learned, you know, how to release my energy, how to release my mind and clear it, and then, and then just release it to whatever, you know, the spirits of the universe. So just allow my mind to just drift and I found that in this drifting, I found there was a lot of creative things that would come to my mind. And I felt just uplifted. I felt like something was happening. Like I felt freer and I felt like, oh, this is it, this is it. And as I got deeper into it, I found that, oh, but I find there's people who are in the depths of this uh, spiritualism that have power and they use their power for good, not evil. Like mind power, that you can control things with your mind that you know that you can create that you can you know delve into these uh, creative avenues and you could get ideas to help you in life ideas to to produce and you know make you money or uh, or, or just bring out this creativity in, in the human mind releasing it and somehow I kind of knew it, it I kind of thought that it was under you know the big umbrella of God that he'd already placed that there you know for us to delve into and the more I got into it, I, I, I didn't really understand all these things, but I started to uh, get uh, spirit speaking to me, spirits. I began to yield myself to them, and I, I began to get very creative. And I, I would paint, and I would do sculptures. I just would release my mind. I didn't realize that it was uh, the trickery of the enemy at that time. And I began to paint uh, what I called spirit paintings. And some of the paintings, I thought, wow, I. A day or two afterwards, I look at it and say, oh, that's beautiful. I, I never thought I had that in me. And one day, you know, um, I, there was a painting that I had created. It was very unusual, very different than anything I did before. And when I looked at it a few days later, I saw images in darkness. And I saw hands reaching out, curled up, reaching out of dark spots. And I painted, had painted uh, demons or creatures coming for, forth from, from the darkness. And, and it was a number of different things. I saw people, I could see faces of people in anguish. And I thought, wow, I must be releasing these things inside of me. You know, that's just, I'm bringing them out, you know, bringing them out. And I, I kept that painting, you know, for a, few, a couple years, a few years. And, you know, as I, as I kept moving along, something about this whole situation wasn't ringing true. You know, even though I felt free at times, at other times I didn't feel fulfilled. You know, something deep inside of me was still yearning for answers. Something deep inside of me was still yearning. You know, I hadn't discovered that yet. And so I looked, started looking elsewhere, you know, for anything. <clears throat> and I, I heard on the radio there was a, a broadcast about this group. And actually they, they were called The Group. They were from Grand Rapids, Michigan. And um, 
and people were talking about their lives and how they used to be in drug addiction and pain, alcoholism and suffering and all kinds of things and that they had found God. I went to one of their meetings and as I walked in I saw all about two or three, four hundred kids all sitting squatted down on the floor and I thought wow this is kind of cool you know. I really uh, started to embrace the, the hippie cultures you know because that kind of all went along with the, the pseudo spiritual thing and so I let my hair grow my hair was, uh, was curling up down on my shoulders and I, I had manufactured a brass medallion, peace medallion, and it had wings on it. It was one of my artwork. And I had a witch doctor's charm around my neck as well because I, I found that the amulet was to protect me, you know, and, and, uh, against evil spirits. And I, I had, uh, you know, a band jacket, peacock feathers, and uh, I <laughs> People seemed so loving and kind, they received me. But then one day I remember in a large meeting and one of the, the spiritual leaders of the group, and as I was looking at her and she was sharing her testimony, I guess, I saw an aura around her and there was no spotlight on her. There was no light coming from the floor. I literally saw a gleaming, glowing light all the way around her and that almost wanted to convince me that she was a very spiritual person. And I thought, wow, I must really be in the right place because look at how the God of the universe is honoring this person and giving them this great light. But as I continued in the group, God was merciful to me because he started to open my eyes up and I started to see inconsistencies and lies. You know, some of the leaders were saying, we're doing this and we're doing that for this reason. And I found there were other reasons. And that just didn't set right with me at all. And eventually, uh, I kept searching. And I came across a situation. I have a stepsister. She was an all-and-out sinner. I didn't really think of myself as a sinner because I thought of myself as a seeker. I noticed something different about her. And she was totally changed. She had a, a different demeanor. And she was calm. And she was smiling. And she seemed happy. And I, I asked her, I said, Rosie, what happened to you? What's going on? Why? You're so different. You're not cussing and swearing. You're not all flustered about everything. And she said, little brother, he said, I, he said, well, I found Jesus. I said, what do you mean you found Jesus? And I turned my life over to Jesus. And she said she was baptized as a Christian. And, and she was telling me some of the experiences she had. And, and something inside of me just jumped. Something inside my heart just, just leaped for joy. I just felt, wow, is this the answer I've been looking for? Could it be? Could it be this simple? But I've known Jesus because I knew back when I was a young man, I've been brought up in the church. I had learned about Jesus. What's the difference? She invited me to her church service. And I walked in. I could hear the music. So that was different. I said, yes, this is kind of different kind of music than I'm used to in a church. I walked in and I sat down towards the back. And I could, I could hear that people were clapping and music was loud and I could hear amens and praise the Lord. It seemed like they were crying and some with their hands up in the air. And I thought, what did I get myself into? Where is this place? And I sat back there and I thought, these people are really strange. Of course, I went in there with my band jacket, peacock feathers, long hair. I had a black hat. And, you know, I listened to the gentleman speak. You know, he was preaching up there and, of course, uh, I thought, this is a really good speech. I said, I've never heard a speech about God this way before. 
He said it with so much authority and power and joy and life. I thought, my, I like this speech. You know, I like this, you know, and it was really different. I'd never heard anybody talk like this, you know, with such animation. And uh, then at the very end of the, I stayed the whole time. And uh, I, right at the end, the gentleman said, there's anybody here you'd like to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. He's here tonight. He can meet your need. We'll pray with you. Or anyone here needs prayer. And so people came up, certain people came up, and he was praying. And then my stepsister looked back at me as I was sitting there. And as she looked at me, I turned my head down. And she stood up and walked back there where I was and said, Brother, and well, little tears in her eyes, he said, Brother, I know this is what you've been looking for. He says, would you come up with me to the front? And I said, well, I, I don't know, you know, I, I don't know if this is, I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I'm ready. I don't know if this, this, is, this is right for me. And, and she took a hold of my hand <laughs> and said, oh, brother, come on with me. And she started tugging at my hand. And I thought, oh, she's sure making a scene. All these people are watching what's going on, you know, in, in this church. And, you know, and, and so, you know, she kept tugging at me and saying, oh, brother, come on, come on, come on with me. I'll go with you up there. And we went up forward to the front, you know. So I was, I was cajoled to go <laughs> up. And, and as I went up there and I was waiting when my stepsister was with me, and the minister was praying for people one at a time. And it was strange because he'd pray for somebody and all of a sudden they would they would uh, start lifting their hand and praising the Lord and hollering or doing something. I thought, well, this is really strange. What's happening to them? Are they okay? Why are they screaming? Or why, what's going on? And I didn't understand all of that. And so finally, the gentleman came up to me. He started talking to me. He said, do you, do you know Jesus Christ? I said, well, I, I know about him. I said, well, um, he said, do you, do you know that he's the son of God? He began to expound on, on that. And I listened to him and I said, and then he asked me, he said, would you like to receive Jesus Christ as your savior? I'll pray with you. And I said, well, okay. And I wasn't expecting anything. I was just, I figured, okay, I'll, I'll go along with the gentleman, you know. And inside my heart was yearning. I was looking for not just answers, but I was looking for the God of the universe to come and, and, and speak to me and let me know that he was real. Because uh, throughout my life, I felt uh, so many things in my life had gone downhill. And I had a lot of sorrow, a lot of pain. And so um, he began to pray for me. And as he prayed for me, I always remember this experience. As he prayed for me, he put his hands on my head. I didn't expect this. But he, he got up and then walked away and started ministering to other people that were standing in line. And as he went away, all of a sudden, kid you not, I felt, I felt this energy, this force, so powerful and so wonderful. It came down and just, it literally drenched me. And it felt so wonderful and I felt such a release. Um, and I felt just the love of God being poured over me and over me and over me. It was so powerful that I could not stand on my feet. And I literally fell to the ground of that little church on my knees, automatically lifted my hands up in the air 
<laughs> and I began to say, God, I know you're real. And as I began to pray, it's like the Lord began to minister to me and began to tell me, this is the life I want for you. I want to come and live inside you and show you the real truth. You've been looking for all this false truth, all of these false things. But I am the way and the truth and the life. There's no other, no other can come to God but through me. Everything just disappeared around me. And I thought, Lord, this is what I've been looking for. I've been looking for a relationship with you. But God had to come to me in such a way to show me that he was the power of the universe, the only power of the universe. You know, it wasn't the occult, it wasn't a cult, it wasn't the mind power, it wasn't the spiritism, it wasn't any of those things, that he was the power of God. You may be looking for answers about your life today, and maybe you don't even believe there is a God. There were times in my life where I rather doubted there was a loving God who even cared about me. And sometimes I even blamed God for things that happened in my life, things that I felt that uh, I had been cheated of. God allows various things to happen in our lives. The Bible says that we're of this earth. We're made of clay. We're not superhumans. We all come under the same uh, jurisdiction. We're going to be born, we're going to live, and someday we're going to die. Now you may think to yourself, well, after I die, I'm just going to go into the ground. You know, that's a very sad way of looking at life because it really isn't true. You know, God created us for a reason. And the Bible says God is love. And, you know, God really did love man. He created him. And he created him in his likeness, in his image. And he created you with a little tiny seed that's inside of you that yearns to find him, that yearns to find what life is all about. You know, I discovered it for myself. No, you know, nobody came and said, you're gonna believe this way or else. I chose to find Jesus Christ. Now, if you're here today and you're, you're thinking to yourself, uh, I don't know if there's any hope for me, you know, if you're that person, you're the very person that Jesus died on the cross for. God is saying, I love you. I sent the best gift I had, my only begotten son, and to walk this earth and, and be spat upon and to be ridiculed and, and, and to suffer and die on the cross. We don't realize that, that Jesus Christ actually went and paid the price of hell and death. And he rose from the dead because he was pure and holy and perfect. Now, that same Jesus Christ loves you today. And right now, he wants you to come to him. You know, you say, well, I'll, I'll never, nobody can never straighten me out. You know what? Jesus died for you. God can change your life. And you'd be surprised what he'll do by his Holy Spirit. All I did is say, God, I'm willing, I'm able. Show me what to do. It was devastating to all of us when we lost him prematurely. He was only 64, but he left behind many memories of years and years of serving God and being faithful to him. If you've been listening to this show for any amount of time, you know that I love quotes. Here's one for you. By the time a man realizes that maybe his father was right, he usually has a son who thinks he's wrong. Charles Wadsworth. 
you know, my father was a great man of God and a great role model to us. Someone who just really loved Jesus and really wanted to make a difference for him. And he did that. He founded a citywide festival called the Lansing Bless Fest. It takes place every August in Lansing, Michigan. It's a really cool thing because it's a completely free event um, where people who maybe can't afford to go to the big ticket type events can come to the Bless Fest and have free food, fun, music, everything at the Bless Fest is completely free and it's a blessing for other people. You can find out more about that mission at mediamessengers.org and that's something that we're still continuing to this day. Uh, my father had four sons. We're all involved in continuing that mission along with Media Messengers and my mother Colette Henderson is also carrying on the ministry as well. You can find out more about my father at mediamessengers.org slash rudy. Anyone can count the seeds in an apple, but only God can count the number of apples in a seed. It's time for the absolute basics of the Christian faith from seedbed.com. Answering those burning questions like who is God, what is salvation, and many more. So, let's take a bite. The Absolute Basics of the Christian Faith What did God make? In the beginning, there was just God. Life was good. God had everything he needed. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit were perfect, perfectly happy. But God decided, of his own free choice, to do something extra. He decided to make a universe. And so, kaboom! There was an eruption of creativity. God made a universe. The Bible teaches that God made the world by his will and from nothing. God is so powerful that he didn't need to make the universe out of anything. He created all the matter in the universe and put it in a beautiful order. There's a joke that goes like this. Some engineers figure out how to create life out of dirt, so they go to God and say, we're as powerful as you now. We can make life just like you can. And God says, okay, let me see. So the engineers start to sweep together enough dirt to make a human, but God says, hold on there, use your own dirt. Humans can make things with matter, but we can't make matter. God not only made life out of dirt, but he made the dirt too. Not only this, but God spoke the universe into being. All God had to do was speak, and there everything was. The Bible tells us that the speaking, the word of God, through which God made the world, was the work of the Son. The life, the universe, and everything was brought into being by God's word, which is Jesus. And the Spirit was there too, giving life to everything God made through his Son. The breath breathe into humanity is the work of the Holy Spirit. So the whole Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit teamed up to make a universe. The Bible also says that the universe, filled with mountains and clouds and bushes and mushrooms and anemones and mountain goats, giraffes, and people, was very good. And there's a word we have for things that people make that are good and freely given. That word's gift. The creation of life was a gift. God didn't have to do it, but he wanted to. God is a very good gift giver. And the natural response to a gift is this, thankfulness. When someone gives you something, the right thing to do is give thanks. Maybe after a birthday party when you were a kid, your parents handed you a stack of cards to write thank yous to the people who gave you the gifts. This part of getting a gift is really fun, but it's the right thing to do. And that's why parents do that. Because it's right, and will hopefully teach us to carry the practice into our adult lives. The way we show our gratitude to God for the gift of existence is by obedience. God gives us life and a world to live in, and our response is to say thanks to God by obeying him.
the absolute basics of the Christian faith from seedbed.com. It's time for a bottle of Bill's Wisdom, a short single-serving message of wisdom from our friend, Pastor Bill Leach. In The Lord of the Rings, Pippin is in a, is in a city that's besieged, and, he, and he's sure he's doomed to die. Then off in the distance, he hears a horn, the horns of Rohan, and an army of knights break through the through the siege and save the city, and Pippin is saved. In the book, it wasn't in the movie, but in the book we're told that for the rest of his life, Pippin could never hear a horn off in the distance without breaking into tears. The horn was the audible reminder of his salvation. When he heard the horn, he relived it. He remembered it. It connected him to the past. He remembered the sacrifices of, of the knights who died to save him. No matter how grumpy he was, he couldn't stay that way whenever he heard the horn. The Lord's Supper, it's the horn in the distance. It's palpable. You can hear it, smell it, taste it. It connects you to your salvation and to the one who sacrificed and died to save you. It will change your life right now and infuse your present with a knowledge that every second you live is an act of grace. Remember. And Lord, I pray that in, this, in these moments you'll cleanse us and wash us. There are things we're harboring toward others that aren't pleasing to you. Lord, may we, may we repent this morning and determine to make them right and follow through and do that. The next episode of the Think Twice TV podcast is entitled The Other Side, True Stories from Those Who Had Near-Death Experiences. For Debbie, she nearly died in a terrible car accident and was facing extreme terror as she was slipping into the darkness. And that's Debbie's story at Hell's Doorstep. We also will have Ed's story, Peace of Mind, Body, and Soul. Ed almost died in a car accident, and in his vision, he actually saw a picture of heaven. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed the show. Go ahead and write us a review on iTunes. We look forward to bringing you more great stories and ministries on the Think Twice TV podcast. God bless. This venture is sponsored by Media Messengers Evangelistic Association. Revealing the love and power of God through media. www.mediamessengers.org If you like the show, follow us on social media and please help us reach more people. All our social links are in the show notes.